0: Welcome to episode 131 of the FredCast Cycling Podcast for July the 9th, 2009. My name is David, and I'm a Fred. Hey everybody, it's David. Welcome back to the FredCast. Hey, I know we're in the middle of the Tour de France and I've got a lot of news to bring you, but... As always, I'm doing just a ton of traveling for my day job and plenty of family business as well, and sometimes we get a little bit behind, but I'll be back this weekend with a longer full edition of the Fredcast, including at least one product review and all the news that's fit to talk. Is that right? Fit to print, fit to talk. You know what I mean here on the Fredcast. But first, I wanted to bring you this abbreviated version of the Fredcast, sort of a Fredcast extra, if you will, because I had a conversation earlier this week with David Rowe. Now, you'll remember David. He was here on the Fredcast a couple of episodes ago talking about his book, The Ride of Your Life. And if you remember, the book is about preparing for long-distance cycling, but not so much about the physical preparedness, but getting your mind and your heart ready and prepared to go the distance. David's getting ready for quite a long-distance ride. We'll take up the interview and let you hear from David himself about what he's getting ready for. Back on show number 113, we talked to David Rowe. David is the author of the book, The Ride of Your Life. This was back on February the 1st. I'm glad to welcome back to the Fredcast, David Rowe. How's it going this evening?
1: It's going great. Going great. And, Thank and, you. I'm and, glad to be here.
0: And you sound great. And I'm going to gonna tell everybody why I sound surprised in a minute. David, real quickly, why don't you sort of recap for everyone a little bit about what we talked about when we discussed your book, The Ride of Your Life. Tell everybody again, what's the book about? Who's it intended for?
1: Right. The, the Ride of Your Life is intended to help all of us who love to ride really reach for and attain kind of big hairy audacious goals on the bicycle and you know for that's different kinds of rides for different people for most of us that's a century or more um, for me uh, i've developed the kind of the core content of the book as i stretch to reach uh, for 1200 kilometer brevets uh, grand randonnées but the book would certainly help anybody reach for any major goal on the bike.
0: And of course, well, I say of course, I know because I've been talking to you, but the reason why we have you on the show again is because when you were writing the book, it's my understanding that you put together a list of goals and you're getting ready to go after one of those goals. Tell me about that.
1: Right. When I uh, was preparing to, you know, the material for the book, I made a list of you know, 10, 12 goals rides that I thought were just so cool. I had to do them, kind of like the 10 rides you got to do while you're still able. And one of them was called Race Across Oregon. And I've done a lot of the other rides in the region, the Cascade 1200, the Port Linda Glacier 1000. I did the Rocky Mountain 1200 last year up in Canada. Epic rides, epic conditions. All of those were in the 650 to 750 mile range race across Oregon is shorter at 530 miles but it is rumored to be just an order of magnitude more difficult and it attracts you know a different kind of breed of cat to the to it it's a race it's a ram qualifier and uh, you know the object of the game is to get across the finish line as fast as you can so this was a major shift for me kind of a brevet rider we you know these are not true races they're timed you got to finish in time but they're not true races so i'm really stretching outside my comfort zone to go race across oregon and uh i'm excited i think i'm ready to ride
0: (laughs) nicely put 530 (laughs) miles how many feet of climbing are we talking about
1: um so there's a bit of debate about this. The ride organizer, I think, put a tweet out and said 60,000. Um, number of the riders that have been out on the out in the region or have a lot of experience out there said it couldn't be more than 40,000. But you know, it's it's somewhere in there. It's a it is a heck of a lot of climbing. Some of the climbs are brutal. Uh, I've done uh, a big through May. Uh, went out there twice uh, to train in the area. Um, it's going to be hot and, um, you know, that's going to add also a degree of difficulty to it.
0: I'm sorry. Between 40,000 and 60,000 feet, I mean, let's be splitting hair. That's a lot of climbing. How do you prepare for something like that?
1: Um, You know, I've been working on the training for um, eight months. And really the training varies, you know, throughout the year. I I would say there's real distinct kind of camps on how you prepare for a ride like this. I've been working with Carmichael Training Systems Mm -hmm. and um, the coach there, Justin Peska is a Furnace Creek 508 record holder. He set two records there. Um, He um, really kind of uses the Chris Carmichael approach, which is the first thing you do is work on the, the size of your engine, of your cardiovascular system. So I really pushed my uh, lactate threshold of uh, significantly higher my critical power significantly higher and then went back and added this in You know long period of endurance and then finally we took that power and the endurance back to the mountains And then I worked on courses that simulated RAO um, And that's what I've been really up to the last two months
0: David you've got a real life um, a family. How do you how do you find the time to train for a 530-mile, you know, sub-48-hour race.
1: Yeah. Well, I think in, I'm fortunate in that the commute to work for me is perfect for training. You know, it's 15 miles each way, and on the way from here in Lake Oswego to Portland, I'm going to get just under 1,000 feet of climbing, in, and on the way back, I'm going to get just, you know, I can get about 2,000 Um and I can vary that. So I'm right you know I'm getting two workouts a day that are intense, lasting an hour and fifteen to an hour and thirty, you know twice a day, three days a week. So by the time I come into Saturday, which is really my intense training ride, um, you know I can really go for it. And so I really actually, I have to say have ridden fewer hours this year than ever before, you know, kind of given the style of training that uh, CTS you know, is prescribed.
0: Now, um, in getting ready for this ride, I'm guessing you used some of the techniques in the book. Take, take us through just some of the things that, that you found useful from your own writing, uh, to get ready yeah. for this event.
1: Yeah. And in fact, it, the physical training was really not the hard part for me. It was really making the decision. I, I knew I wanted to do it and, um, but I hadn't committed. So what I did in November is I used one of the techniques in the book is I, you know, I, I picked my primary goal and a secondary goal. So I said, well, look, I'm going to either ride the gold rush Rondon, which is underway today, by the way, in Davis, California, it's a 1200 K or I'll ride the race across Oregon and either way I'll be ready for either one. Um, and I began training and, I, I just really struggled with the commitment. And so um, what I did is I, I used a couple of techniques from the book. The most powerful one was really something that um, is called the rocking chair test. And I mean, I had to play every trick in my book, get myself committed to this thing and over the line. I gave myself a deadline. I said, look, by the end of April, it's go, no go. And then I used this rocking chair technique, which is, um, I, you know, I put myself 20 30 years out in a rocking chair i'm looking back over my life and i said hey, how do you feel about that decision not to ride race across oregon back in 2009 and then you know i felt awful i started making a list of all of the things that had come together in my life right now to make it possible that and it became so clear that things were really in alignment for me to do it so i had to figure out what is it that i'm really afraid of I made a list of those things, and when I got them down on paper, and I looked at them, and I talked about them with people that I respect, and I found out that those were you know, really just insignificant. So those two things, uh, the rocking chair test, and then um, looking at my fears and facing them and really squaring off of them. The big one was really my knee injury, um, and and the focus of my off-season was healing. Not so much bike, right, but getting the knee healed. Uh, but anyway, I did commit, and um, I'm feeling great. I, I have to say, after I made that decision, the whole physical training part in the last few months just really accelerated. That's
0: great. Now, a question. Um, you mentioned that this is a RAM qualifier, and, and I understand that if you finish within 15% of the divisional winner, in other words, the the, the man in your division, uh, within 15% of their finishing time, you're qualified for RAM, is that something on your radar screen? Something that was on that list of goals for you?
1: <laughs> no, there, I have not put Ram on my list, and uh, I'm not going to. That's one of the things that i learned. In fact, uh, Jill Homer, a friend of mine, and one of the riders that's profiled in, in my book, the rider, finished uh, the Tour Divide uh, mountain bike race yesterday, which is from Canada to the Canadian border to the Mexican border. She did it in uh, six days she talked about the danger of putting things on your list because you know once they're there you kind of have this feeling you got to do them so i'm not putting ram on my list for fear that you know i will have to do it i i think that it's way out there i mean that is out there i would consider um race across the west however which the the new owners of ram have have created um it's a thousand mile kind of Western U S race. And I, I say, I would consider, I would love to do that with a team of, you know, four riders. I think that would be a blast. Um, and you know, at 250 miles each, it would be a, ch- a different kind of challenge, right? Riding a little bit faster, a little bit more the top of your higher rate and doing it with, you know, three great friends. I think it'd be a great, a great opportunity.
0: Take me, take me through a 530 mile <laughs> event. I mean, I know, when I do a century, I, I, I mentally um, prepare myself by by separating that into um, you know bite-sized chunks and I say all right you know if I get past you know I'm, I'm only riding ten miles. Oh, I got ten more miles to go or I have twenty miles. And and I, I really separate it out to help me mentally get through that ride. What do you do with five hundred and thirty miles and forty to sixty thousand feet of climbing? How do you how do you, are there bite-sized chunks? Take me through what it feels like.
1: Yeah, you know, you David you do it exactly the same way. You know, the the bites are a little bit bigger, but um uh, and really this uh, for me I, I like to break things down into 4 hour chunks. Um you know, I, you learn to get your bike and, uh, ready and your food ready and your water ready for a range and everybody's got a range so that if you set up the for me it's four hours and I can ride somewhere about you know somewhere between 60 and 70 miles in four hours so you think about it, that's you know just like when you get in your car and how much fuel you have you got to think about that um, in a long distance event you as well so I, As you kind of – you see, whether it's 100 kilometers or 100 miles, 100 miles is a very big chunk. Um, And it's more of a milestone that reminds you the century. And so even even though I'm going to do 530 miles or or even a 1200K with 750 miles, believe me, when it turns over at 100 miles is a major milestone. So you would never think about the whole – whole ride you would only think about the chunk and getting down to that next check next checkpoint where you're going to refuel recharge get off the bike loosen up in some of those checkpoints you're going to sleep you know for some period of time anyway um i think that uh, that's one of the tricks of the trade is never think about how far you have to go to to finish it you just think about the next interval that next that ride to the next checkpoint you know same thing with them with the hills like it, when you get into a really long hill like one of the one of the climbs and again george thomas put together like the most probably one of the most brutal climbs in at the end of this thing which is what a lot of these organizers like to do um it's it's a climb up something called thai ridge out of the thai valley and it's a it's about a six mile climb that it ranges from six to eight percent and it's going to become when coming when you're tired so the thing you have to do whenever you're into a long mountain pass or a long climb, something that's going to take an hour or more essentially is to get your uh, iPod on and you know listen to get some music going that you really like uh, to, you know, zero in on what on your target whether that's your heart rate or an hour number um, and really just focus on you know enjoying it just. Not focusing on how much you have to do, just focusing on pedaling smoothly, looking around, checking out the scenery. And before you know it, you know, you're up and over it. It would be very easy to get very frustrated very quickly in a long climb. But I, I think, again, it's just the chunks. You know, okay, I'm going to make it to the next turn or I'm going to make it to that next ridge. That kind of thinking gets you through.
0: Well, I know that as you get ready for the ride and, and, when, and when ride day comes, I'm going to be thinking of you and, and mentally helping you will yourself through the ride and, and making it to the end. And, and David, it's, a, it's an incredible challenge. It's a, it's a testament as well to you following your own uh, advice uh, and the, the proof will be when when you do go across that finish line and you do it uh, within the time period specified. And I just want to wish you a great deal of luck, and I hope that you'll you'll keep us all updated on how it went.
1: Thanks so much, David. Yeah, we'll. Um, in fact, um, I'll be carrying a spot uh, satellite transponder in the uh, in my follow van. And if you want to go to my website, you'll be able to watch uh, my progress on the on the map, and also uh, my son Evan Rowe will be sending up tweets uh, on the Ready to Ride Twitter account too, so you'll be able to follow along, and I hope that you and your listeners would uh feel free to send me some words of encouragement along the way. I'm sure I'm going to be able to use them.
0: Absolutely. It would be our pleasure. David, great to have you on the show again. Uh, wish you a lot of luck and certainly a lot of tailwinds as well as you do this ride. And uh, tell everybody again where they can find your website and, of course, where they can find the book.
1: Sure. They can find both um, at uh, www.readytoride.biz.
0: Perfect. Ready to rise. ReadyToride.biz. David Rowe, thanks so much
1: and good luck. Thanks again. Once again, you
0: can find David's website at www.readytoride.biz. And coincidentally, his Twitter name is ReadyToride. Go ahead and follow David this weekend as he gets ready for the race across Oregon. We wish David a lot of luck. Well, that's going to do it for this abbreviated edition of the Fredcast, episode number 131. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in just a couple of days with all the news from around the world of cycling, including your Tour de France news. In the meantime, enjoy this little bit of Jimmy Bratcher music. Enjoy the race across Oregon and Grand Street. Here's a nod to you and the death ride this weekend. Good luck to all of you. In the meantime, enjoy the music, but most of all, enjoy the ride.